Welcome to the Nage.com podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we continue our discussion on Grandmaster Yang Chan. Talk a little bit about his uh, rival in Beijing and his early life and training and all that. Uh, then we get into Baiwa's introduction into the Tai Chi classics and we begin our discussion on that. Uh, in our Patreon, we begin talking about the other section of the book uh, that we're discussing this season, which is the Guiyan Neigong portion, which is his uh, breakdown of his Neigong system. Uh, so hope you check that out. Also check us out on Instagram, all that stuff. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, take care of yourselves. Welcome back to the Ninja Chan podcast. Our next topic is the great master Yang Luchan. So I was going to pull from combat techniques of Taiji Xingyi and Bagua by Lu Sheng Li. Uh, that we've looked he's, he's got some great bios in here that we've covered previously um the most significant growth in the popularity and renown of taiji chuan occurred as a result of yang luchan's teaching so it says he was born you know to a poor family as often many of our martial arts stories start and then he and a friend were uh sold as slaves to the to a wealthy family in the chen village it said their master was Chen Dihua. Although Chen Dihua was a resident of Chen Village, he owned a drugstore in Yangnian County, and after purchasing the two boys, he took them to Hunan Province to live in Chen Village. And uh, so the guy they're going to work for, Chen Dihua, is a, he loves martial arts, so there's always teaching going on and fighting. And uh, so many students came to Chen's house during evening to practice. During the lessons, Yang Lu Chan was expected to make tea and perform other tasks for for Master Chen, the teacher Chen Chen Xing. While performing these duties, he was able to watch and listen to Chen Chen Xing's instructions. During the daytime Taiji Chen classes for the children, Chen Chen Xing always used Yang Lu Chen to demonstrate various skills. Although Yang endured many hard strikes in these demonstrations, he had a chance to experience Chen Chen Xing's skill directly. Yang used his free time every day to review and practice what he learned. Eventually, Yang gained a thorough understanding of Taiji Chen along with the admiration and respect of Chen Chen Xing. So from a slave position, he works his way up and becomes the demo dummy for the teacher, basically. Genius idea. As we've often mentioned, it does seem like if you get to do the two-person techniques, the more you get to do that, especially well, if you can get in front of the teacher, you end up getting extra benefit, yeah. you know? And that's a known thing. So that's probably why he's saying that, right? That totally. everybody, I mean, everybody that does martial art knows. Well, you should, yeah. The best way to learn it is to have it done on you. He endured and, many hard strikes in the demonstrations. Right. That so, sounds like an understatement, you know? <laughs> so just continuing with Master Young's story, he, uh, he ends up staying in the household for 30 years. Then he finally gets his freedom once uh, his master dies. And so he heads back home. But back home, Yang could not find a job, so he started teaching Taiji Chuan. The local people called the style Mian Chuan, or Soft Fist. He quickly became famous and won many fights, thus earning the nickname Yang Wu Di, which means invincible. It is said that one day he injured a person so badly in a fight that the opponent was taken for dead, and his family immediately began plotting revenge. Yang departed hastily for Beijing. So then, sounds like he just... After 30 years of study, he became invincible from winning so many fights. 
Yeah, after being a slave who gets your ass beat for 30 years, you finally get freed and how you <laughs> he get starts to whipping ass on everyone else. Out and <laughs> take your aggressions out on the world. Right. So now he's in his mid-30s and now he's uh fakes fighting his uh, occupation in life. Yeah. I'm so he I, I think it's that thing of you know, you can at that time make a living as a martial artist in right. a number of ways you know there, yeah, there's the martial, there's the, <laughs> there's the teacher there's the comp you know fighting in competitions mm. there's you know um soldiers being a soldier or a bodyguard caravans right, so, right so yeah. there's sort of kind of work you can get as a right. mid to low level martial artist you don't have to be like a total badass but if you're a total badass right. you, can, you can get sort of the right right the good jobs but you know there's sort of grunt work you can get as a martial artist at the time right and it reminds me how dong i chuan went through the same experience around the same era you know early 1800s he he found his way to beijing looking for work basically right and I, I think a lot of people were heading that direction at that point and frequently they call them tax collectors or something like that and i think really that's code for just like enforcer you know money collector money collector <laughs> you know, depending like, on who hires you break your kneecaps if you don't pay up kind of guy so once he gets to beijing he ends up uh he had learned to read it while he was a slave so he was able to become a tutor to a family that supplied vegetables to the emperor's court um, and so he didn't even bring up martial arts. So he was working, he was just tutoring the rich family, which is another common job for martial arts people. Yeah. Um, so, but eventually there was a big fight and he went out and got in the middle of it and started beating everybody up. He overwhelmed and tied up 20 brigands from a nearby factory who had come from a, for a heated dispute. Um, he beat up the brigands and uh, his reputation as a martial arts master was made he started teaching martial arts. So he he, he, he was a union buster. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Right. You know, big uh, warehouse squabble. Um, then those guys came to try and get revenge on him. So he decides to leave town again. But his uh, the guys working for said, hey, maybe you shouldn't leave town. He suggested instead that because Yang's high level gong fu, he would make an ideal teacher for the emperor's family. Mr. Zhang offered to introduce Yang Luchan to King Duan, the emperor's brother who was, like many members of the royal family, an avid admirer of the martial arts. When King Duan met Yang, he immediately recognized the excellence of Yang's technique and offered him a very good living conditions in return for lessons. People were amazed by Yang's skill. His movements looked soft and slow, but extraordinary results. Many people challenged Yang. He beat them all. As a result, he and Taiji Chen attained quick and far-reaching distinction. Yang's position was expanded to include instructor of the emperor's security guards, and Taiji Chuan became ever more popular as it gained adherents and students. Yang Luchan taught in Beijing for about 20 years and died in 1872. Uh, 1872. Though that's 30 years before the Boxer Rebellion. So Yang Luchan is pretty early in the history yeah. of internal martial arts. Yeah, it's a little bit before. Um, I think Dong comes, um, dies. Sl- 15 years after that, maybe. So Something he's like maybe a little Well, 1870 is sort of when he comes on the scene, I think, mm. right? So it's like he comes into yeah. the around that time and starts yeah. to make for himself. So it's kind so of... there's always rumors of how the two schools clashed or interacted from the old days. And there's a few there's a few fight stories out there. Might have well, to I mean, at some the, point. The parallel, if you will, is that um, the highest, le- you know, mm, sort of degree or you know thing 
thing you can get as a martial artist at the time was to be somehow employed by the palace right so right. if you're if you're employed, you know as a as a like a teacher that's like a good but if you're you know giving command of a group that's even better you know sort of there's sort of like these like tiers you can go up right right ladder and you know both dong hai chuan and nung chan had this sense of like you know they they were given these higher up positions in the palace and that just elevates your martial art to a certain standard. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like kind of saying like, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, it's like having a top 10 hit or something, you know, it just <laughs> it gives you like street cred. Influence. Yeah. You know. And a higher pay grade, obviously. Yeah. It's like, well, it gives... one thing I wanted to pull out was like, he mentions here that he looks soft and slow, but he had extraordinary results. Like that's the Tai Chi that we all know and love. Right. Like it sounds like it was kind of how it was then is probably at least in some ways, similar to how it is now. And not only that, they attained quick and far-reaching distinction, meaning he quickly rose up in uh, popularity in the uh, mid-1800s. So it's not like Tai Chi had a long time to build a reputation. It was like, boom, flash. It just hit the scene and got really popular quick. Yeah, I mean, there's you know different theories on why that happened. I think one of them is that it's got this sort of dual thing of it's a health thing and a martial art mm. and that so it appealed that to a popular. lot of it appealed to a lot of people simply it was like you know kind of a time saver right you didn't have to practice qigong and martial arts you could mm. do them at the same time you know that is kind of nice yeah that appealed to people who you know because i think people at the time you know like qigong was a fairly common thing and martial arts were a fairly common thing and, mm -hmm. but you did them separately and right you know, this was sort two of two for one was like no you can put them together and you know save yourself an hour a day which you can you know farm more or whatever <laughs> next we're going to take a look at uncovering the secrets of internal power in taiji by baihua so the next section of the taiji Jing is starts like this the chi should be full and surging and the spirit should be restrained so that's the the quote that baihua then breaks down from there so I don't know. What do you think? Just looking at that on the surface, it's like the chi should be kind of young and and happening. The spirit should be restrained and withdrawn somehow. Uh, yeah, it's it's the idea of you can um, you can expand your chi, fill your chi, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> run your chi without um, using like a. A forceful mind right like a you know you don't have to get mm. excited to do it right um so yeah so you can take full action but your your mind's not like launching forward you're just yeah, pretty um centered kind of william chin's quote was something mm. like uh you know don't get excited you might miss it right like the, the mm. you know if your mind is like you're gonna miss what's happening in in the right. moment right so it's like it's this idea of staying you know calm essentially in, mm. in your mind um all martial but, arts seek that right but while being completely full and alert right so it's like you know that that ends you know it's going to be a lot of these things where it's sort of <laughs> that's the whole theme of this Isn't thing, that right? The point? It's, right it's in the name so you know again it's also like um you're still in the like big picture instruction part of the tai chi classics right it's like the this is the uh mindset kind of, right? yeah but yeah this is kind of like how your mind and your body are gonna 
generally work together. It's nothing specific, but but chi surging is um, one of the things that you you know most people initially feel when they start doing something like tai chi is they start to feel uh, warmth go out to their fingertips mm. or like tingling from the blood the blotchy hands or whatever mm. and it's just that that thing of like you notice that something is going out to your extremities uh when you do it and usually it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy and kind of right. you know indicative really... of a increased blood flow kind of right so i think it's it's a there's a sort of little thing we used to say which is you know where the blood goes the chi flows that if you can get your blood to fill up an area, aka surge, right? It's the chi. It the chi is going to follow it, the blood, and go to that area, right? Yeah. So you if you can activate either one of those, your chi or your blood, with your with your mind, you can get mm -hmm. the other one to follow. Definitely. And this is a big, you know, your your nerves are the, the third piece of this that you have your blood your nerves and your chi are kind of the three things that you can surge quote unquote mm. right you you can get those three things to move from the center of your body out to the extremities and back right you can sort of feel a flow that's a sense of mer of surging and moving basically yeah that makes yeah. sense those are like the three vehicles you can use to work this kind of intent right and the chi being the most subtle, right? So usually what you're feeling at first is um, your blood, then your nerves, then your chi. But you might be special and it might happen in a different way. So he starts to break down this quote in his way. So what does he have here? He says that uh, chi surges from the force that is generated by specific actions rather than uh hallucinations and nerve ending sensations that could be produced by your imagination so he draws a distinction between your your imagination your e versus what the <clears throat> actual chi seems to follow more the physical some kind of physical action involves how making how the energy moves and the uh mind would be wouldn't include that physical component so he's drawing a distinction there i think well i think he's saying it's a it's a uh, physical action, not a visualization, right? That that mm. something that you're doing is going to create this chi flow, right? Which is different from feeling your nerves or just imagining something happening that's mm. not actually happening, right? That the fundamental thing about most Taoist practices is that you're not visualizing chi, you're actually feeling chi, even if you can only feel the tiniest little sensation of it. It's like, that's better than just kind of imagining stuff in your mind. Right. That's something actually happening. So he uses that uh, metaphor in the next paragraph. He says, the surge of chi is a physical phenomenon. For example, holding a small balloon from both sides with both hands, you take turns squeezing one side or the other and relaxing the other. Uh, he says the air pushes to the opposite side in response to the pressure. Um, so this is what he calls a surge of chi. So it, it, there's a very, uh, there's like a, a pressurized element of the surging of chi. It's not, it doesn't like drift. It surges. Yeah. I mean, I think it's surge in the way like a tidal wave would surge, you know, it, it sloshes is the way Bruce would always say it, not surge, but, but there's kind of a, 
water-like quality to it so it, it can move through your body sort of and all at once like kind of go from one side to the other or it can move in waves it can go mm. up and down so there's it's like it, it's fluid so you can literally that's what fluid means is you can move it in different directions right like this surge of chi he's talking about would be reminds me of analogous to pulsing where you sort of open all your joints to to surge an arm forward or to surge it back as opposed to dissolving where there's a drifting like dissolving feeling pulsing has that surge yeah i mean to it you know what i mean like it's a different way to move and your body and your energy that the action he's describing is essentially you know if you have a ball between your hands and you mm. push on one side it's the pressure yeah. the pressure is going to go to the other hand even though you know it's pushing on the whole ball right so that action is essentially a, like a compression right mm. and then it when it goes to the other side it's an expansion so you're yes it's it's a compression mm. and expansion which is the action that all types heaven and earth. earth and it's heaven and earth and spine qigong too well those are the like those would be specific yeah you know to like really go in with a microscope i think this right. is more like that's what i'm saying this is more like the sense of getting it to go from your back leg to your front leg mm-hmm. or from your belly to your feet or your right. hands to your feet. So you could learn that in side to side shifting of energy gates. Well, that's the, that's the first stage of it. Right? right. Yeah. And then you get into like the little thing of, Oh, can I can, now I can actually do it inside my joints or inside my spine or inside. And my that's organs. more like heaven and earth. Well, that's Tai Chi, but it's the f- more advanced right. levels of Tai Chi. I mean, that's what he said earlier, right? That like, you know the the uh, in the Patreon thing we go over his his Nagong stuff and the thing he says in the Nagong portion is spoiler alert um, that it's uh, the same as practicing Tai Chi Chuan right so mm-hmm. Tai Chi Chuan his Nagong all Nagong really but he's saying his is is the same that the right. same way what you do inside of you know, Wu style Tai Chi is almost exactly the same as what you do inside of uh, Energy Gates and Heaven and Earth and Bend the Bow. Right. You know, it's just that's how it is. So and that it, it reminds me of the philosophy we learned, which was you train Neigong within sets of Neigong, but you also train it within martial arts sets. You don't even have more to. so. You don't have but to, you but can, like, yeah. whenever we learn Bagua together, it was always with Nagong every inch of the way, right? Like, was... I think it's more fun that way, right? Because yeah. you you learn a internal thing. I mean, there's all right. So let me let me put this. Um, you can learn the principle, right? You could study the the ideas and work on the very specific principles of Nagong, right? And you can get it that way. And then you can apply that to, you know, moving around and doing martial arts and stuff. Or the more common thing is you start with the form and you get your body to be able to move and you get pushed around a little bit to kind of just not be afraid of that stuff. And that starts to get your body to move in a certain way that, helps you feel some of this stuff and then you start being able to feel the internal stuff right so you can go from the inside out or the outside in it's kind of a you know pre-heaven post-heaven parallel so that kind of like 
acknowledging the fact that there's this, you know, she moves this way is part of, you know, what you got to know to do Tai Chi. Absolutely. Yeah. The interface between Nei Gong and internal martial arts in this particular group that comes from Liu Hongjie is highly emphasized. I think we, I think it's safe to say that we can draw that conclusion. Well, I mean, yeah. After all I mean, that, after all this that we've talked about, like but, they're but just I, intertwined. Not every school does that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I also want you should point out that he didn't just do Tai Chi with Leo Hong Jae. He also mm. did Tai Chi with uh, Lin Du Ying, who right, was a right. student of uh, Tan Jo Lin. Is a well-known Southern Tai Chi China. lineage in Southern China. Yeah, so um, that that kind of like for me at least acknowledges okay that they're maybe some differences in how you do the, the quote-unquote old yang style and how you do the wu style but mm. essentially what he's saying and i take his word for it is that the inside is all based on negong and, and right spe specifically this action of um being able to move you know chi inside your body and that's it that feeling of pressurization is a part of it too. He, he mentions quite often. Well, and here the next paragraph, he says the surge of chi uh, to show the chi bulging in the body is more complicated than showing it on a balloon. It's impossible for someone to squeeze your body and move it around. So you must rely on the coordination of the body's essence, chi and spirit, the three treasures, the so-called inner three in one. Um, and so that's a big topic that's in this book. We have, it's, it's talked a lot about in the uh, Neguan, in the uh, Guiyuan Negong section of the book. And so now he's applying these Negong principles here. So we're not going to go into it here as much as we will when we cover it in the uh, Guiyuan Negong section. In the Patreon. In the Patreon episodes. Uh, but suffice to say, he explains that this is... You use this method of combining three and three essence, chi and spirit together to fill the Zotian uh, energy orbit inside the body. Um, well, that's that is the pump, right? So he, what he's saying is that the the way you create mm. the surge is mm. by doing this um, microcosmic orbit. Mm, that's how and, you make the surge that creates the sort of like i said it's a wave right it goes uh the, the phrase is back down babe, right up the back down the front right raise the spine drop the chest and this is a big principle in qigong big principle in tai chi it's in almost every book that's ever been written about tai chi and it just has to do with the idea that the the essential motion that you're kind of getting is that wave right and some people do it with a physical movement of the spine other people do it with a expansion and compression of the mm. hips uh bruce does it with an opening and closing of the joints so you know you have different ways that you can do it um depending on your skill level right and there's and you could probably do it in completely silent seated seated position with strict just energy and intent or whatever as well i'm sure 
Yeah, I mean that's harder to do in Tai Chi right. because you're yeah. moving around. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean you I actually, think it's used in religion, right? Zotian is isn't just in martial oh, arts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but well. but you can you can actually run. You know, I mean it's it's not a common thing, but you can run the lines inside your body that you do would do in the Tai Chi form sitting still. It's you do this more in Bagua, where you actually will move the inside of your body sitting still. Mm. And you'll move move these energies and move these things around while you're not moving first, and then you do it while you're moving. Um, most of this stuff again is a little bit more back and forth, where you do some of it moving, some of it being standing, and some. Yeah, of it being... yeah. We used to do that in Bagua. We would circle doing something, then sit doing something, then circle doing it, and sort of go back and forth. Doing the same Nagong principle and doing both. Yeah. Definitely... I mean, I, you know, the, I think that was probably Leo Hung Jae's thing was that, you know, I'm getting implied, that impression. He implied it both to his Tai Chi and to his Bagua and his Shingi that you have this, like, you know, it's this pulsing action and you're, all your movements are guided by this, um, you know, this big cosmic pulse. Right. They're translating here as surging or bulging the chi in the body. I think we'd refer to it more as like chi flowing or whatever. Or like, Right. So a surging would be, like I said, that's like if you go from your back leg to your front leg and you extend your arms, there's going to be this like wave action that pushes through your arms. Like pung and tai chi where you're... Yeah. I think bulging would be more like I put my hand on you and boom, you kind of pop away from me where there's no mm. physical where there's no physical wave to it but you can still get the pressure to go to that one spot so it'd be the concept of gene in tai chi and and internal martial arts where i'm sending energy out of myself in one form or another it could be a sharp short thing it could be a long flowing thing it could be a you know twisting could be spiraling could be yeah i mean it's, essentially it's just different gene, about right? Fajing, right yeah, yeah different types of be, right. of all the millions of types there are yeah, and so by good. doing this inner orbit is how you get it going. So the final sentence here is interesting in that it refers to that other section of the book on the uh, Guiyan Nagong. He says, please refer to my explanation of the content of white clouds move overhead. Sweet dew falls on Mount Sumeru, the mountain of immortals of the Ludong Bin hundred character tablet. So we'll be covering that in the uh, Patreon. Refer to the section on this, the, the heavenly orbit, right? So that, that again, that the, the all this stuff is explained in you know the the piece on the microcosmic orbit basically so again he's just saying you know if you want to know what tai chi does go read the chapter on the nagong because it's the same thing pretty much which is good advice yeah learn the nagong apply it to tai chi trying to learn nagong and learn tai chi at the same time is difficult so, you know, again, like I learned Nagong before I learned Tai Chi. I knew how mm -hmm. to open and close all my joints. Mm -hmm. and I, I could sort of dissolve and, you know, like mm -hmm, done, mm -hmm. one, done one spiraling course, you know. But I had much Interesting. more sense of that stuff than I had any about any. Uh -huh. movement, right. <laughs> That's funny because nearly every all the rest of us came at it from martial right. arts and then found most Nagong. people start with, you know, here's the commencement and, you know a couple of years later, they start doing some internal stuff. So, mm -hmm. I, and I kind of came at it from this, uh, this, this, again, I mean, it's, I think this was Leo Hong Jay's method, right? So this is, you know, you learn how to do it inside your body. Um, then you apply it to the, 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 the art of your choice. Mm -hmm. Yep.
and you just keep flowing back and forth with working on it as an individual skill and then working on it as part of your overall whole. Yeah. I mean, you can be, you can be a nut and like, I mean, I spent a lot more time on the Nagong than I did on the forms for the first 10 years. You know, Mm. that that my focus was like, I'll, I'll learn the forms because like, that's where you get to smack people around. But as far as like what I would practice and, you know, go mm. to classes and stuff, I would focus on getting the stuff about, you know, moving the inside of the body because right. that was the. I mean, that was always the teacher's advice. The Nagong is what empowers literally everything in the whole school. That's it. You know, and so it's like, well, <laughs> it's just kind of said from day one. That's the entire point of this shit. Because when I first learned, I just learned choreography and applications and some and plenty of things that were mind blowing, like just being calm, relaxed, letting your mind settle, like basic mindfulness was always part of Tai Chi and Bagua that I learned and Aikido, too, and everything else. But it wasn't until I got to Chinese internal martial arts and met guys like Kumar Francis, Lo Shu, other guys I met in the creation of my book, like, dude, like. I was like, oh my God, like they're taking it to a very specific, precise level. And that's kind of what this book is all is like breaking out all the different components and the rationalizations and the cosmology. And there's just all these layers to it. But most importantly, like if you can, if I finally got to feel and see somebody apply all those philosophies to the actual uh, beating up of people, because once I got in front of these guys, it just got just gotten clobbered. It was like, Finally, someone was using the techniques I'd been reading about and hearing about that seemed kind of half-assed when I first learned them. Um, then it was just awesome to like experience it firsthand and be like, okay, now I'm starting to see what they mean. Like, anyways, you came at it from internal to martial arts, from Negong into martial arts. And I came from martial arts that felt like it was always still just missing a little bit of something. So the end of the discussion of this topic, uh, he has one more statement to make. So he in the in the three treasures is Jing Chi Shun is how they break down. So he says Shun or spirit here refers to the control point of energy. Since it's impossible to ask someone to squeeze our body and let them help us create the surge of Chi, we must rely on the method of taking the Dantian as the key line to make the whole body move from the form of yin and yang to squeeze our body from the inside. Therefore, spirit must be united to one and concentrated to the waist and of the waist, controlled by the Dantian. I thought it was interesting here how he refers to, you know, you've got this, you're sort of trying to unify your whole body is sort of the main point of the paragraph. He says, then you use yin and yang to squeeze your body from the inside. So I think he's referring to yin and yang type of actions to manipulate how your inside works. Um, rather sort of like the balloon metaphor you've got to do it yourself you don't have hands outside (laughs) squeezing you so you've got to move your own inner body through yin and yang types of actions what do you think of that yeah i interpret it as essentially you have uh that the choten the the heaven earth is up and down and then yeah the the um yin and yang is side to side right so you end up with up and down side to side which is Mm. kind of the main thing and then you know that that the being able to have these two flows, right? The up and down and the side to side from your waist, where they meet is your lower dantian, right? Yeah. And that so again, seems to be the whole point. It keeps returning to the lower right. dantian. Well, and that's where the whole spirit journey starts, right? Is is your lower dantian. Now you now you're into, if you will, if what 
Bruce would refer to as meditation or internal alchemy. You know, you've kind of made the transition from just doing regular, you know, sort of over the counter mm. nagong. Right. To now you want to work on the deep, dark stuff. Right. Not- this is the shun of the of the three levels. There's Jing, which is sort of the body, chi is the energy. Then shun is that higher level of right. working with the mind, the unconscious mind, your spiritual awareness kind. Your emotions are kind of the first place you would sure, do, yeah. Start and they with. just translate that to spirit, like all that stuff beyond energy yeah. is quote spirit. And, and in some ways, that's kind of I, I think of it as like to take the martial analogy. It's it's like after you can hit and take a hit. You start dealing with, well, what is like happening in your mind, right? Like not, not, not your body anymore, right? Cause your body's good. You're, you're safe and you defeated your enemy, but then there's the sort of like, what's going on in your mind, you know, before, during, and after a fight, right? Like, and it's really about sort of taking that energy and processing that as or a fight is just an example any stressful situation and making that energy sort of circulate back into the 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 heavenly orbit right so like it's sort of this chicken and egg thing right you create the thing so you can do stuff and then when stuff happens you can use that process to settle it back down and so this again goes Mm. back to why do you need to do it in the first place is to strengthen your body and your chi. Why do you continue to do it after you have a strong mind and strong body is so that you can work on your emotions and your uh, karma and that sort of stuff. And if you want to know about all that, you can listen to our series on the eight energy bodies that we did because we talk about all the layers of that whole thing in the meditation and Bhagwa Jong and stuff. So just kind of for that reference point good talking to you let's keep the conversation going all right man take care hey folks hope you enjoyed the episode uh just a reminder on the patreon we have uh in addition to the current stuff we also have an interview we did with bruce uh interviews we've done with other uh friends of ours students uh bruce's etc and we also have some bonus episodes available the stuff from previous seasons, things like that. So you might want to check that out. Uh, Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening and be well.